Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Starista's creative copy manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Matt Stout, president and CEO of VDC and the new chief strategy officer at Starista. He discusses the nature of the new partnership between the two companies, as well as the current state of the alternative data space. He also gives a rundown of his favorite binge watches. AJ reminisces and Vincent gets bagels from Costco. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the vice president of B2B products here. Who is Starista, first of all? marketing technology company focusing on identity. We have our own B2B data, our own B2C data. With that, we help our customers target that data, email marketing, display, connected TV, OTT. We have our own DSP, Adster. That's a lot of acronyms, but I promise you they are worthwhile. Ladies and gentlemen, email me at vincent at if you are interested or interested in being on this podcast. Let us know. Not everyone qualifies, but we will certainly take your email. I promise you that. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it is a great day. It's a special day, ladies and gentlemen, for a variety of reasons. One, because of our guest today. Two, some of the news we have. But three, my co-host. Come on. The CEO. He rides shotgun with me on this marketing stir journey. The San Antonio sensation. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on? Hey, Vincent, I just realized something yesterday. Biden was talking about how the pandemic has been going on for a year. So that actually means we've been doing this podcast for uh, for just over a year or almost a year now. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. We kind of started this. We always wanted to do a podcast together ever since I joined. We always were like, ever since we met each other before podcasts were probably even popular, we were like, we got to do something together. Now, of course, we work together, lucky me, and we started this podcast. And now, actually, when we're talking to customers and partners, this happened to you the other day, AJ. It happened to one of our other, uh, one of our sales professionals. People were saying, "I'd love to do business business with you, but can I also be on the podcast?" That is crazy to think the amount of listeners we have, the amazing guests we have. It's been nuts. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I, I used to think just my aunt and mom listened to it, but uh, it's actually true. I know Vincent trends to exaggerate, but we've had. More than a few clients ask us about the podcast and wanting to be on it. So it's, uh, it's all very flattering, but uh, this, is, this is the biggest one yet. Uh, this is the biggest news we have ever shared on a podcast. So we're happy to announce that uh, we acquired VDC and I have my friend, uh, someone who has been a mentor to me for almost a decade, uh, Matt Stout on the podcast today. Yes, we certainly do. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about it. Great news. VDC, Venture Development Center. I met Matt many years ago. He's always been a friend, a confidant, a mentor to Starista. And now they are part of the team. Let me give a proper introduction, ladies and gentlemen. The president and CEO of VDC, the new chief strategy officer for Starista. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Matt Stout. What's going on, Matt? 
Hey, Vincent, with that introduction, that's pretty good, brother. You you definitely have you definitely have your right calling for without question. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We're happy to have you, AJ. He AJ Smart. He uses me in great ways. He's like, ah, let's you know, let's throw him on a podcast and get that crazy energy out. But uh, Matt. It is so awesome. Uh, it's always great to see you, first of all, but it's even better to uh, have you on this podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. And I'm happy to be part of the podcast and certainly happy to be part of this, the rest of the team for sure. So we are as well. So Matt, for those listeners out there, for people, uh, VDC, right? It's always been synonymous with you know, great mentors, great partners, data, data monetization, uh, industry leaders, in, in the industry I've been part of for 20 years, uh, VDC, Venture Development Center. But for those of the people out there who don't know, talk a little bit about VDC. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> VDC was started by uh, Charlie Stryker. Most people in the business have heard that name or knew him. Uh, he started it in 96 as a result of uh, <clears throat> having been part of a large uh, data company that he exited out of. And at that point, he was doing some teaching and uh, was being contacted by a lot of folks who were talking to him about alternative data assets that they were coming across or large data aggregators that he knew of and had worked with in the past who were looking for companies that might be able to provide new data attributes. And so <clears throat> Charlie started VDC really around this concept of matchmaking. And uh, those grassroots led to the to the company that we are today. Yeah, and it's uh, you 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 can't mention VDC without mentioning Charlie Stryker. You you can't mention uh, the great late Charlie Stryker. Uh, you know, just uh, loomed large in this industry, Doctor Data, as many people call them. So uh, you know, and I'm glad you, you kept that amazing legacy going with VDC. So Matt, in light of the recent VDC Starista merger. How do you see the combined company able to better assist other companies? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, look, at, at VDC, we historically come across a lot, of, a lot of data, right? Whether it be in the alternative space or unique assets that are not necessarily part of any sort of aggregated file. And then we're lucky that we have a lot of relationships with, with large branded companies, large brands that we're actually engaged with them to try and help them satisfy their business solutions or business strategies or new product offerings. And it, it, the glue that held that, that activity together, right, was having strong relationships. So as AJ mentioned, right, the relationship between VDNC and Starista goes back probably to the founding of Starista. I think we pretty much were connected shortly thereafter. So the union now allows us to, to basically take advantage of the strategy, think, you know, the thinking, the strategy, concept development that VDC does and, and the assets that we have access to and embed them within the, within the Starista offerings and the technology stream. So that for the clients that we both serve, uh, we're in a much better position now to, to bring uh, unique insights and uh, you know, strong detail around attribution and, and, and everything else associated with that. So it fills a lot of the gaps that VDC as, an, as a business model had and, and over the years, that became more and more prominent, right? The challenges that we face, well, those challenges are no more. And actually, we're in a very good position now with uh, the, the Starista backbone. Matt, I met you at a uh, Italian restaurant with our mutual friend, Steve Rand. Yeah. And I, I, I remember by then, you, you seemed like a man that was already well-connected 
in the industry, and that was you know about ten years ago. So, but we would love to know how you got into the uh, marketing and data world to begin with. Yeah, well, actually, uh, so I started in this whole marketing scheme when I was a teenager. I was working in a printing and mailing facility. And actually, that's where I met Steve Rand. And, and you're right, he's been, he's been well connected. I think all three of us know Steve Rand. Very yeah, well. love Steve. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Steve, uh, Steve was pretty much, uh, you say mentor, right? Steve was a mentor to me, uh, like a big brother, if I'm completely honest. So I met him when I was working in this printing and mailing facility. He worked for Dun & Bradstreet. You know, he'd pull up in his Mercedes with his Armani suits. And I always thought that <laughs> that guy knows what he's doing, you know. So, uh, so yeah, so that's where it started. And then from there, I moved into the agency side of things um, in 1987, uh, got involved with the founding of a small direct response, direct marketing company, uh, bought one partner out in 89 and the other partner in 91. And at the end, uh, had a company that was about 120 people doing full service, uh, full service uh, marketing tech and uh, e-commerce and direct mail, email marketing. Digital wasn't very big back then, but, but we clearly had a, a handle on that. And we were very fortunate too, because we dealt with really, really large clients all in the New York metro area. So ADP, Sony, Dun & Bradstreet, Rico, Panasonic, uh, uh, Sharp Electronics, Conoco Minolta. So we were really very fortunate. And, and from there, when I sold that business, uh, I had a non-compete that kind of limited me from doing anything in the agency or marketing world, but it didn't, it didn't uh, uh, keep me out of the data business. So that's really how I ended up over in VC. And what uh, you've been looking at many data providers for the, for the last decade, mm. what do you look for when you're looking at a data provider? What are some of the qualities that stick out to you? Yeah, well, I guess that depends. I'd have to answer that based on the segments of, of the space that we operate in. So certainly if, if we're looking at alternative sources and probably half of the companies that VDC is involved with now are what I would call alternative sources. So what does that mean? In my, in my vernacular, that means that they're companies that are not data companies. They're companies that have data as an exhaust. So for us, when we look at those organizations or do they have interesting data assets? Do they have specific data attributes we find that are going to be valuable? Um, do they have them at scale? Are they getting them compliantly? Are they going to get those assets and those data points for the foreseeable future? So if all of those uh, characteristics are existing, then what we do is we'll, we'll look to engage with them and figure out how that data could be monetized, whether either through uh, distribution into the buy side directly into brands or where we're going to bring it into large organizations that would ingest it and put it into their data aggregation. On the data aggregator side, right, there's a, a, wide, a, a wide array of players in that space. So for us, it's always a case of making sure that the company is run well, it's got strong leadership, but also strong data governance and, and strong team behind them. The service offerings that the companies have also is, is, is a criteria there too, because the VDC, we're using our leverage and our relationship to basically establish a, a, a buy-sell relationship between the buying entity and the selling entity. So um, that credibility factor in the, in the data world for us is, is significant. And, you know, Matt, for me, it's, uh, you know, I've only been maybe at 
five companies in my semi uh, young career. Uh, it's getting getting uh, longer by the day, but uh, three out of those five companies, VDC was involved with. And that's how I kind of, I, I got to meet uh, Steve Rand and you and Barry Gold and Charlie. And, uh, you know, so that's been great throughout my career, always having you guys there. I wanted to get back to something you said. I wanted to ask the question of 10 years ago, what was it that drew you to Starista and AJ then and and what draws you to Starista now? Yeah, so look, if I'm honest, I talked to a lot of companies back then, especially when I first met AJ. I mean, I I was pretty again. Think about where I said I came from ten years ago. We would have been talking. It was 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. I had really only been doing this data game for three or four years, so I was pretty nascent in this space. The the thing that struck me with AJ was. Uh, Anytime I talked to him and gave him thoughts, the next time I talked to him, he had taken and expanded on that. And and that's unusual, you know, and I'm not just saying that because of where we are today. I'm saying that that's one of the reasons that I was pretty confident that for VDC as for our end game, Starista was going to be a good fit. So yes, uh, my initial impression of AJ was, you know, he was smart. Uh, He he had an easygoing way about him. I like that with Mm -hmm. other people. I don't normally talk as much as others. So it's always nice that he actually <laughs> listens. And when they listen and actually execute on it, then you know, you've got somebody that, uh, that respects your opinion. And, and, and you look, when he had questions, he would ask me. And every time I'd meet with him, he would tell me the things he had going on. I'd give him my thoughts. And the next time I met with him, he had expanded on those thoughts uh, exponentially, right? So those, those types of relationships are few and far between. Frankly, the other benefit here for me was I saw this whole agency uh, marketing side that he was putting together, the MarTech, and it was reminiscent of what I had done in my former life with uh, IMG, my old company. So, uh, so look, that was very appealing to me. Well, and, and actually, it goes right into uh, you know something I wanted to ask because you've been part of two major companies. You've been a major part, I should say, of, of two companies, uh, IMG and VDC. Um, were there similarities to these organizations? Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, look, there's always similarities in, in companies, um, but very different as well, right? IMG, there were three founders, and 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 you know, then I, I bought two out and, and took it in a different direction. I ended up with a company, probably like what Starista will end up with. I had about 120 employees. You know, uh, that had its own challenges associated with it, and I went through the whole 9/11 situation being outside of uh, New York and and primarily most of our work at that time, probably 60% was still direct mail. So that was all impacted by anthrax and everything else and all the other nuances of of that situation. But, you know, VDC had its own challenges, right? Uh, The the, the most of the the largest of which is when Charlie passed away in 2017, right? That left a, that left a big gap. So similarities, sure. Um, I'm very fortunate in that the relationships that I've had with, with clients, with, with uh, employees and prospects is, are, are one that I usually keep. So I've been able to surround myself with great people. So that's, uh, you know, and I, and I think that's the case here as well. Matt, how have data buyers changed since you got into the data space? Do you see new trends on the data buying or licensing side that wasn't there before? 
I think when look when I first got involved in this, most of the companies that were the big buyers of data, uh, the big data aggregators, all names well known, they they had very small acquisition data acquisition teams. They had a couple of people who ran point um, compliance. Yeah, they were concerned about compliance, but uh, it wasn't at the forefront. As time went on, those teams got bigger. Some companies we deal with now have fully implemented teams, not just of data acquisition people, but data scientists. And compliance is a major issue, right? As well as privacy. So I would say the largest changes that I've seen from the, from the buy side, bringing data into companies is everything around making sure that it's compliance, the data governance is in place and privacy. And I, I don't think privacy changes. I think that that's probably gonna be a, a primary focus for most organizations. So if you asked me about what's the one largest factor that I've seen, I, I would say it's, it's been this, this shift to making 100% certain that the data is compliant and, and the privacy factor around that, which is a evolving sands, right? And in terms of the alternative data space, uh, do, do you see, I, I was reading today, T-Mobile is looking to monetize more of its uh, user-based data. Do you see that kind of keep on evolving and more companies trying to monetize their data sets? Yeah, so that's an interesting point. I mean, a part of VDC that most people don't know about is we do talk to large organizations. We have a large engagement going on right now. Um, we talk to large companies that by and large have massive amounts of data, either first party, second party, sometimes third party, but mostly it's first or second party data. And, and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And, and, and it's not just from a perspective of external monetization. More often than not, it's, it's you know, the internal capacities that can be done. For argument's sake, I'm buying outside market research reports, but I have intelligence within my organization that would probably give me a, a, a faster line of sight on things than I could ever buy outside and save myself money. So I do think there's going to be this ongoing uh, focus on of large companies to try and figure out how they can use the data that they have. Not necessarily so much uh, six years ago, five years ago, it was, hey, how can we take this out and make a lot of money? Now I think it's a question of, again, because of privacy, I think it's a question now where it's... Uh, we have all this data, what can we do with it? And if, if we can do something with it external and monetize it and we can keep it privacy compliant and everything associated with that, you know, that's, that's a, um, a leg up, right? So I, I suspect there's gonna be more of that continuing. Well, also Matt, let, let's play off of that for a second, right? Cause you're, you know, can you describe some of the fundamental steps that companies should be taking when it comes to first party or second party data? Yeah, I mean, it goes, it's all over the map, right? I mean, <clears throat> let's talk. I mean, it, when we get involved in one of these org, in, in one of these structures, it's it's uh, usually okay. What data domains do you want to look at? So let's say you're talking about a uh, a retailer, right? They may have all sorts of domains. They may have SKU level data. They may have transaction level data. They may have CRM level data. So you start looking at it, and what seems on the outside to be easy is usually fairly complex. It, it turns out there may be eight or nine different domains of data. Um, there also may be different owners of those domains, right? So, so there's some challenges right up front that we kind of look at and try and figure out to get the, the groundwork. So our normal process with that is this 90-day engagement where the first half of that time, 
is spent really making sure we understand what it is that they have. And we, we give that back to them. We, we, at that halfway mark, it's, it's an analysis of saying, hey, here's what we heard. Tell us where we're wrong. And I will tell you nine out of 10 times, maybe 10 out of 10 times, we identify things that fall into two categories. One, it's gut feel. They think they know it, but now we've proven it. Or more often than not, and this I'll say happens eight or nine out of 10 times, we tell them things that, that they as a group didn't know because these details were so you know, far back in the process or log jam somewhere that no one really understood it. And it's not to say that we're clairvoyant. It's just that we know where those problems exist. And without getting that kind of really, you know, a 360 degree view of the data that's there, it's a challenge to figure out how it can be used. Add to that, we've been in situations where companies have third-party data contracts that they're bringing in and they're bringing in multiple contracts from the same company. They have a national national enterprise license, right? And they have multiple regional licenses, which is just crazy, but, but it happens just because the size of some of the organizations out there. And Matt, just as a whole, right. Just to tell people, I, I know what we get in you, which, uh, you know, we're very happy with what does Starista get with VDC and, and the team members that are coming along with it? Yeah. So, well, you know, initially we've got a number of large buying accounts, buying entities is what I call them, brands, PSOs, companies like that, where historically we've been able to work with them uh, on, on data strategies, right? What they need, solutions they're looking to, uh, to embellish or whatever it may be. Um, the value to, to VDC is now having the capacity with Starista to handle that data science, that, that data analysis. Remember, we never took control of the data. When we did this, it was all uh, you know, tertiary. We, we were never diving into the data. We were never taking ownership of the data. We never took possession of anybody's data. Well, now we can do that. So, so that's beneficial because we can gain a perspective that we previously didn't have. More importantly, we can then take that out to companies and have them, the ones that are interested, have them, have them feel better about the pedigree of what we're bringing in and the fact that it's past muster, if you will. For the Starista side, there's a few benefits, right? Because, because of all the alternative data assets that we come across, and I suspect now we'll come across even more. Previously, we weren't able to help every one of these companies, right? They didn't have data at scale or they didn't have it uh, for a long enough historical period, or they have it at scale, but it's very regionalized. In the old world of VDC, we would have to create singular licensing events for them, right? Well, now we don't have to do that. We can tell them right from step one, hey, we can embed this into the core files of Starista and start revenue shares. Well, that's beneficial to the alternative data provider and to Starista. Because at that point, it'll, it'll infuse that data set, whether it be consumer or business, far greater than it, it had been previously. So there's you know, benefits there as well. Matt, what's kind of uh, been, has the pandemic been for you? It's been going on for a year. I know your son's wedding had to be postponed a couple of times, oh. uh, but what, what, what's been it like for you personally? For me personally? Uh, I was traveling. I mean, I'll start here. It's for me, there's been, I'm very fortunate. Let me start by saying that, right? There's been a lot of silver lining. So yeah, Michael had his uh, wedding postponed twice, maybe a third time, who knows, but, uh, but they, he and my 
uh, daughter-in-law-to-be did have a grandson, right? So my first grandchild, which is kind of cool. Nice. Um, but for me beyond that, right, I was traveling 190 to 195 days a year, right? If we, if we go from March 13th, 2020 until today, I've been on a plane twice. That's it. So for me, it's, it's been, it's been uh, uh, definitely a silver lining because I've been able to just slow down and focus on business as opposed to being on airplanes five, six days a week. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely a benefit, um, from the business side, it, it's, it's, it's been interesting, like it's been for everybody else. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it's, I think generally I have nothing to complain about. I've been very fortunate. Cool. That's a, that's a very, uh, optimistic answer, Matt. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always a half, half uh, glasses, half full brother. Same, same. <laughs> hey, you, you often say you're not a salesperson, but, uh, you know, a lot of us, uh, describe you as a rainmaker as well. So, you know, what, what kind of, uh, makes sales or how do you make sales work for you? What's kind of your approach to new clients would, our viewers would love to kind of just understand your mindset when it comes to sales. Yeah, that is a statement of mine. I don't consider myself a salesperson. Um, I, I consider myself, uh, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, a, a strategist, a partner, consultant. My style is uh, is consultative, right? If somebody's got a challenge, I uh, I look to help them help them fix it, and 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 I. I'm very, very fortunate. As I said before, I've had great clients and, and really, really super people that have been employees and mentors of mine. So I'm lucky that I have these very, very strong relationships. And, and in anything that you do, sales is certainly no different. You know, it's having those relationships and being able to count on that and having the integrity, right? Having people feel that you've done right by them, regardless of the circumstance, I, you know, that's important. So yeah, I don't consider my sales, myself salesperson. I think, I think I'd probably fail if I was a salesperson, but doing what I do, I feel pretty good about it. And Matt, talk about, we touched upon some of it, right? But, you know, trends, you, you constantly keep hearing, we talk to a lot of our guests about trends in marketing, trends in data coming up. We touched upon a few, but, we, you know, 2021, Let's start there. What, what do you see as far as some new trends, either in marketing and or data? So I think the trends that we're going to see in 2021 are kind of where we started seeing them really start to peak in, uh, towards the midpoint or end of 2020, even with all the dust settling with a lot of reorganizations and other activities going on as a result of the pandemic. Um, I, what I mean by that is I think anything to do with ID spine, ID graph, depending on your nomenclature, I think that's going to be paramount, <clears throat> especially now when you start looking at cookies going away in the iOS 14 situation, right? Companies are going to be looking for strong uh, processes that they can tie into for attribution and measurement and, and, and just, you know, practical, effective marketing, right? So I think that that's probably paramount. And I think anything else is going to come down secondary to that. I think the people who have the strong ID graph, strong ID spine, and can embed these other strong behavioral attributes in there and do it in a compliant fashion, you're going to be a leg up above everybody else. So that's the biggest thing. The second thing I, from what we're seeing is anything to do with international data. So trend lines are that, um, 
people, many of the clients that we're associated with <clears throat> the, on the buy side, they're looking to try and replicate the same types of activities and, 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 and files that exist in the U.S. and do them outside the U.S. So I think those two aspects are going to remain uh, front and center for a while. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot. I mean, with the ID graph, especially, you know, Strista, I think, is ahead of the curve on, on that uh, ID graph, just based on all the data that we have, as well as now having our DSP adster that's really fueling that. So we're actually having some nice conversations around that at uh, at Starista. Yeah, the internet, the international piece that's been a hole, I would say, in the market for the past, what would you say, five, six years, where uh, especially at the contact level, it's kind of been a hold because of the different regulations. You know, where, where do you, how do you see people kind of begin to emerge that data again? Well, look, I mean, GDPR definitely put a dent in it um, uh, or a dent in it. It definitely changed the rules, right? So, and, and it made a lot of companies much more cautious. And while we saw people tap the brakes on that, I would say literally within a year and a half, most organizations that we deal with, the large buyers in the U.S., started looking outwards to say, "Hey, listen, we have opportunities in you know South America or in uh, APAC, and what data sets exist out there?" And and the the key, of course, was to use the baseline of what they understood was here in the U.S. ID spines. Well, that's not easy to find. Hashed email tied to to individual name, phone number tied to individual name proper mailing address that it's hard and then and then you add to that on the business side the same types of situations exist there okay maybe it's easier to get business names and, and, and addresses but it's 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 just as hard to find uh, criteria around what those companies are interested in or what they're searching for or, or where their focus is it's it's just generally a gap right so and that's a word that normally I use a lot when I talk about VDC because, you know, our whole process was to go out and fill those gaps, identify what they are, uh, whether the company knew it or not, identify what they are or where we felt we could infuse certain thoughts or data points in. But, you know, those gaps in the, in the foreign market uh, for international data, it's, it's, that's going to be a while to, to, to figure that out. Yeah, I think the quality of data is often not there. And uh, from my experience, buyers tend to expect the same quality as they have in the US, which can yeah. lead to some friction. And I would say, go back to what I said before about you know the things we look for, scale, credibility. You start talking about sources outside the US, you're told one thing, it's very hard to assess whether that really exists or not. And then right. It's funny too, because multiple parties will come back with almost identical, identical counts, right? So why is that? <laughs> you know, what's the ultimate source of the data? So it, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely an area that I think is going to continue to, to, to require some focus. Now, this is a question we ask all of our guests. Uh, we all get a lot of LinkedIn messages. And in, in, in your case, a lot of these uh, messages probably come from uh, data companies of all uh, sizes, right? And, you know, what, what's the message that gets Matt Stout to respond back? And then the second part is, what is the message that really annoys you? 
Yes, I'm not even sure if I should answer this. <laughs> Does anything annoy you, Matt? You seem so even keeled. You seem so. Uh, yeah. I'm going to tell you all my deepest, darkest secrets. I love talking to you. I'm going to I'm going to answer this question, and I'm going to start getting bombarded by LinkedIn messages. <laughs> yeah, no, it happens. So be careful. We have a lot of listeners, Matt. Be <laughs> I get a lot of LinkedIn messages, right? And so I'm going to tell you, and God, I, 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 I almost dread saying this. My immediate scrub point is if it says Matthew. I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, I yep. that means they don't know you, bro. Right? Yeah. Right. They don't know me. Mm -hmm. The ones that get my attention is if somebody is, says, hey, I see that we're connected to so-and-so through this and this is what my need is if the subject line is something that's that 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 seems to make sense but even if the subject line is something that makes sense and it says Matthew then I know this is this is definitely a dog leg left and it's probably not worth a whole lot of time yeah that that's an interesting point because a lot of people have said if you get my name wrong, you know, like, Hey, Victor, I'm like, Victor, it's you're, you, you know, you're way off. But, but in your case, that's a great point. It's uh, AJ where it's kind of like, you know, no one calls you Matthew, right? It's, it's like some people with me, if I know that someone calls me Vinny, that means I know that person from high school, right? Which is okay. But that's also my name. Right. But like, uh, if someone calls me Vinny, I know that they're from high school. Uh, that's how they know me. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. So get it right out there, ladies and gentlemen, if you are going to reach out to Matt, not Matthew. Yeah. You know. Now, you know what? Uh, on that note, our uh, VP of brand sales is Matthew, and he hates it when people call him Matt. So yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't saying that that was a foolproof measure. I was just simply <laughs> saying that that's, that's how I usually, because look, I'll wake up and, you know, I'll have, whether it's LinkedIn or just, just spam mail, 40 or 50 messages of which 10, 11 are relevant. Right. So, right. Yeah. So no, that's uh, that's a good point there. It's uh, good. I like that. That's a, that's kind of a first there, AJ. Uh, uh, as far as our our signature LinkedIn question. Yeah, no, you for know. sure. So yeah. that so that's the but, tribute, boys. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, you got you want pet peeves? I got them. Here's a here's what I hate. Right. Uh, yeah. So, some guests you don't have enough time. I, I thought Matt would have at least fifteen minutes. No way. Matt's so even keeled. He's not. Come on. He's not hitting you with. Uh, all those pet peeves. That's a whole other podcast, right? If, if we should start. Actually, I, I will tell you, I did tell my daughter that because she works at Universal Music and I did tell her, hey, if you're going to use LinkedIn, make sure you try at least figure out what the person's real, you know, what they like going by because so, you know, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> well, I'll let you know. I'll report back and let you know how many LinkedIn messages come in and say, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I know we like we like uh, a lot of our guests say the personalization factor, right? It's like, hey, Matt, I, you know, I, too, am connected to so and so. Hey, Matt, I also live in New Jersey, you know, something like that. Right. So uh, let's talk about the traveling. Right. Because, uh, you know, AJ and I, we certainly travel to go see clients. Me being in New York City, I love being in front of clients. I love being in front of people, as many people know that about me. But uh, not having that travel, what have you been doing to keep up with the clients? Uh, what do you plan on doing in, in the future? Just go right back to 165 days a year sort of thing? Yeah, look, that's a good question. I mean, we've been very fortunate. I think 
a lot of the, tra- well, a fair amount of the travel was going back and forth to, to the office in New Jersey, right? So <clears throat> that's not going to necessarily be, be in the cards any longer. But, you know, certainly there are companies that, that, that I was meeting with once a month. Um, part of the VDC process is we have these biweekly phone calls. So those have shifted to Zoom and they've increased from a half an hour or 45 minutes to an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Um, I don't necessarily know that anybody is, is so gung-ho to get back to that, to that same travel schedule. I suspect, you know, I, I, I will again, um, but not at that pace. And so, I mean, what, you know, look, I've lost 15 pounds. My blood pressure is lower. I feel a lot better. <laughs> nice. Got a yeah. grandson, a grandson or granddaughter. I told you silver linings, baby. Silver yeah. Lining. Silver lining. Yeah. Right. We haven't had many people say they lost weight, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, listen, that's what happens. Uh, you know, AJ will attest. Maybe even you, you may have been at a few of them when I go out for dinners. I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it's an. Oh event. yeah, it's like yeah, sure, I'll have a steak and a lobster and a rack of lamb. Like yeah, yeah. just add that. It's yeah, though. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the you, so you much know, th- I I remember right before the pandemic, I was giving Matt a hard time for eating bread, so he may have cut down on the bread. Yeah, actually, yeah. All I've had today is actually a bagel. So not so much the bread, it's everything. It's, it's, it's the cocktail before dinner, the bottle of wine at dinner, you know, it's... Yeah. It's, 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 How are the bagels out there? Where are you in Florida? Yeah, yeah. I got them from Costco. That's where I am. Oh, the, oh, Matt, come on. You're a, you're a Northeaster. What are you doing getting bagels at Costco? There's the downside to not traveling 195 days. Oh, my goodness. You know, I still hey, you know get what, AJ uh, a good bagel. Kirkland's signature brings their bagels from new york yeah right data <laughs> yeah you know well, it was actually pretty good i can't complain it was in, in the grand scheme of things it was all right all right i'll tell you hey i'll take it from you know you're you're a new york new jersey guy like myself i'm new york a lot of people think i'm from new jersey but uh go ahead AJ. matt one of the things i know about you is you're very passionate about tv shows yes. so I'm sure the pandemic helped a little bit in catching up with some of those shows, right? So, you know, what what have you been watching? What are some of the new favorites that we can take notes on? Yeah, well, so look, there's a bunch of shows that I love watching that haven't come back on yet, like Animal Kingdom and Queen of the South. But uh, the new one that I'm like, just almost finished eight seasons is Wentworth on Netflix. Oh yeah, Wentworth was. Uh, what show was that on originally? Was that always? Ne- that wasn't always Netflix. Yeah, it's Australian. It's an Australian uh, show uh, about women in prison. I think it's kind of like in Orange Is the New Black, but it's yeah. really eight seasons. I mean, this thing's been going on for eight years. That's crazy. I just got through. Uh, AJ and I were talking about. Maybe it's a guilty pleasure. I don't know, but uh, Bridgerton. I was watching that. That's. Uh, <laughs> with my wife yeah yeah my wife uh yeah I, my wife this is like let's watch it i love shonda ryan's i'm like oh this is gonna be awful i am like glued i'm like i know exactly who it is you know i know who that lady is writing those letters so uh i won't reveal that but yeah we oh yeah we've talked about all of our shows here i've been uh i'm watching the bachelor right now if that dude says vulnerable one more time, I'm going to lose it. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Some of our audience members love The Bachelor as they chimed in and wrote me uh, emails about it. So I appreciate that. Yeah, those are other sh- those are a lot of shows that we haven't heard before. We hear like s- some of the regulars, but that's uh, that's great. Well, yeah, no, if you haven't watched uh, Animal Kingdom, that's 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 a home run. You should watch Animal Kingdom. I mean, yeah. all the other ones I've watched, you know, they're all Ozarks, right? Bosch, I mean, mm-hmm. Ryan. 
Yeah, I could go on for a long time. I heard Ted Lasso is the new one. Ted Lasso Lasso is the best TV show on television. Really? Yeah, I got to watch it. I know uh, he just won the, Sudeikis just won the uh, Golden Globe for it. I got to check that out. That should that that in my opinion is probably if not the best one of the best TV shows on on, on right now. Wow, really really, really good. Nice. Watch wait, watch it and wait for the time when he's playing darts in the bar. Yeah, yes. no, I love I love Sudeikis. Yeah, I was happy to hear about that one. You know that's great. And so Matt, one of the you know final questions that we we have is this a shining moment, right? You had a already a great career and then continuing, you know, what are some shining moments? Let's say maybe from the past five to 10 years that you had. Shining moments. Shining. Uh, well, look, you know, it would be uh, remiss of me to say not, you know, my, 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 I had known Charlie in the nineties, but when he found out that I was uh, kind of out of my old role and was looking for something new, he said, Hey, I understand, you know, you don't get data, but you know, I'm sure there's something that you and I can do together. So that clearly was a shining moment a little bit more than 10 years ago, but definitely worth mentioning. So, um, you know, beyond that, uh, the staff I have, I'm, you know, completely, you know, uh, very, very fortunate for, for them. So I've been able to uh, align myself, many of them coming from my old position, my old uh, uh, business, right? So, so look, you know, yeah, those are shining moments. And certainly this, this, is, uh, this is right up there, you know. Nice. Yeah. Uh, being on the marketing stir. That's great. We appreciate it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. It's, it's the whole well, we've never been a shining moment. <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole stir no. thing is totally secondary. Yeah. That's uh, you know. the, only reason, the only reason I did the stir is the thing was to get on market. Get in the marketing stir, right? Yeah. See our clients <laughs> yeah. and now our partners too. AJ, AJ, please. Can I get on that marketing yeah. stir? It's like, a, we'll work, we'll work out this merger, but as long as I could be on the marketing stir, Hey, it even works in mergers. I love see, it. See, I didn't know he was dispensing my contract around, but that is point one. That's you know, it. Speak around the marketing. That's in your writer. That's in your writer. <laughs> hey, uh, we, we also need to pin this episode guys. That's part of the contract as well. So it needs to always be on top. Got to be, uh, got to be on top. Well, yeah, yeah. And then, and I really, was going to ask about that later on, but I'm glad that that came out. Too. My attorneys <laughs> don't have to call. Yep. Good, good. Yeah. We certainly have to go through sometimes attorneys and communications departments were like, oh, geez, we're just, you know, who do you think we are? Uh, you know, this is not, so what's uh, been the journalism. biggest, uh, group of people we have had? Was it the live ramp podcast that we had? Yeah, we had about six people join the podcast, uh, you know, that was easier than like Amazon, you know, I was thinking, yeah, yeah. you know, they were like, oh, we have to, Bezos has to sign off on this himself, but you know, he's a personal <laughs> fan of the podcast, so he's, it's okay, yeah. No, but, but yeah, no, I think it was live ramp, they had a lot of uh, communications people. Yeah, people are afraid of what Vincent may say on the podcast. So I'm, I'm a loose cannon, Matt, everybody knows that in, uh, in this industry, a loose cannon, <laughs> I hear you, brother. Yeah. But uh, no, this has been awesome. And like you said, your uh, your staff there that you have, we, we look forward to uh, working with them and 
uh, you know, the, the months and years to come. So that's great. We really appreciate, uh, you know, you and what you've done there. And we appreciate again, Charlie Stryker. I want to mention his name uh, again, but this has been awesome, Matt. We are really happy to have you here, have you part of the organization. I know I speak for AJ as well. So we appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Matt Stout. CEO and president of VDC, Venture Development Center, and now the chief strategy officer of Starista. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much and talk soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.